Welcome to the She Geeks Out podcast, where we talk with brilliant folks all about abolishing inequity in the workplace. This past season, we focused on various aspects of doing the actual work of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. We're so excited by some of the conversations we had. We wanted to release the entire interview in all of its fabulous glory. So these are fabulous bonus episodes that you will be hearing in completion. But before we dive into those, we want to give you an update on the inner workings of SGO. So what are those what are those inner workings? Well, I guess we should also maybe introduce ourselves first. So first on the agenda and the inner workings of SGO, I'm Felicia. Trash. I'm Rachel. (laughs) I'd like to clarify, I'm not trash, but we are trash because we did not plan this out as well as we could have. But that's how we roll. Embrace the awkward. That is one of our things. In any case, we have had a lot of stuff going on. So a couple highlights that we would love to share before we get into this interview. First of all, we are now a team of eight people. Our newest hire is Akiana Smith, and she'll be running public programs for us. What do public programs mean? Basically, kind of what it sounds like, but essentially anything that we're offering, whether it's on a community side, diversity, equity, inclusion training, webinars, cohort programs, all of that stuff for the public as opposed to our private client work. And we're still going strong. So if you're worried about that, no worries. We are still (laughs) very much doing incredible client work on the private side as well. (laughs) We are very busy. And for those of you who've known us from back in the day, pre-Panini, as some of us like to refer to it, we used to do a lot of in-person events on the community side, and we are excited about what's going to be coming up in future as well. So stay tuned. You can find us on the She Geeks Out website and all of its glory there. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that we are going strong on client work. We have been very, very busy. It's why we've been able to grow our team doubling in size over the past few years, which is really wonderful. And the other big exciting thing that we did is we launched uh, Rise Together, which is a new community that's open to all. Before, back in the day, we really focused on those with marginalized gender identities And then what we wanted to do, though, is expand it to include everyone who is interested in abolishing inequity in the workplace. And so what we did was we said, okay, we've got this online community. We want to make it open to everyone. And so we're calling it Rise Together very intentionally. And so that's a platform you can find on the Mighty Network site. Uh, We'll put the link in the show notes. But essentially what it is, it's a place where people can gather, talk about any issues around DEI. If you have a marginalized identity, we have spaces there for you. We list all of our events, anything that's exciting happening, some news. Usually it's depressing news, but sometimes we try to have it be nice (laughs) news. Not always. I know. We try. We try. There's wild news too. So we we include that as well. So that's a little bit about the Rise Together community. Yeah. And if any of you are like, we love Felicia and Rachel, how do we get more of them? Well, you will (laughs) definitely find us very active over there. So check it out. (laughs) In addition to Rise Together and all of our public programs, we are constantly planning new stuff for you all. So we're planning out some exciting new programs, events, maybe some in-person stuff. So basically stay tuned because there's a lot in the works. We are heading into the end of the year and we're already gearing up for a really busy 2023. 
And it is worth noting that the day that this comes out is election day. Ooh. Yes. Is that, is that a good or bad thing for us? <laughs> well, I will, I'll just be prescient and say everything's going to be fine. And everything is awesome. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, if you haven't voted already and you're listening to this and you're like, why should I bother voting? Well, we do have some information on that also. If you're curious, we'll probably put that in the show notes as well. It is an incredibly important time to vote. If you haven't been paying attention, it is very understandable. The world is wild. And so wanting to cocoon is completely understandable. This is the time to just take the day if you haven't voted already, early voting or mail-in voting to head over to your polls and yeah, vote. Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. So without further ado, let's get on to the actual interview. Yeah. Who are we talking with? Well, we are going to start out with Amaya Arua-Berena, who is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at EasyCater. And she's really a longtime friend and partner of She Geeks Out. So we had an awesome chat with her. I just re-listened to this a few days ago. It was great. We need to talk more with her. I was still learning and taking notes as I was listening. I'm sure you all will as well. And yeah, excited to have you all listen to her words of wisdom. Yay. Now on to our chat with Amaya. Hello. So Amaya, we're so happy to be here podcasting with you today. And I'm really excited to dig into everything with you because we have a long history between you and SGO over the years. And so why don't we start with you just giving us sort of a quick intro to who you are, your career story. And I know that you have a lot of stuff that you've gotten into over the years. And I also love to eventually get into how over the time you've been able to incorporate some DEI work into your job. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me. I am so excited to be a part of this podcast. And I'm just so excited about everything that She Geeks Out does always. Aww. As you mentioned, like, really? I'm like such a big fan. Yes, we have a long history together. And it's been so cool to watch how you all have grown and developed and the new things you're taking on and the new ways we've been able to partner. Because um, it's kind of coincided with as my career has like grown and evolved and changed. And so it's it's been a cool, like the way we've overlapped has been really cool. But hi, I am Amaya Arobarana. I am the director of DEI for EasyCater, which is a tech company based out of Boston. A little bit about me. I have I didn't start out in this work. I didn't even have any idea this could be my job or this work existed in the world when I was a wee youngin in uh, Las Vegas. So born and raised in Las Vegas and was planning on being a doctor. So went to school to and pursued sciences and all of that. And one way or another in the wild journey that I've had have ended up doing this work and could not be happier about it. I don't know how, how deep into that you want me to go because I'm sure we'll get into more of it as you ask questions, but it's been a really, really interesting journey. And I think what has led me here, or most importantly, what led me here is lived experience and recognizing the inequities that exist in essentially every system in this country around the world, but we'll stick to this country because we know it best. Inequities that exist in every system um, and how there are so many barriers to accessing opportunity to so many different people for so many different reasons. And just wanting to be a part of breaking those barriers down and and helping to create equity in systems and that's and wanting to help people and then i found out it was a job that i could actually do so that's, <laughs> that worked out really well for me well let's get into it like yeah. so when you're talking about it you t- talk a little bit about your career journey where you, after you said no thank you med school what happened 
Yeah. So there were a few things that were happening simultaneously. I had, so as I mentioned, I was born and raised in Las Vegas and I had just moved to Boston. And one of the reasons I moved to Boston was to continue pursuing the medical field. Boston's a huge, has a huge community for that. If you haven't heard some pretty important schools are there. And in the meantime was like, well, while I'm figuring this out, I should get a job, right? I should just like, I need a job. And I found Easy Cater on Craigslist because this is, and this is one of the, when I talk about barriers to unnecessary barriers and how people don't even know to access opportunities coming from Las Vegas and from the service industry and and working just in a completely, growing up in a completely different world, working in a completely different world. I didn't know where else to look for jobs. Like to me, that was like you Things were posted on Craigslist. And what I came to find out was that EasyCater was only one of the only tech companies that was actually posting on Craigslist. That isn't typically a, a place that tech companies would go at that time to post jobs. Came across the job listing for EasyCater. It sounded really cool. Um, I hadn't heard of the company at this time. It was, um, I think when I joined, we were only about 100 people, around 100 people. Hadn't heard of the company, but it sounded cool. It was tech, but it was also food and coming from working in the service industry from in food, restaurants, lounges, hotel, casinos, all that. It felt familiar in that sense. So I joined the company because I was like, okay, I need a job and this sounds cool. And this is a good way to, I think this is a good place for me to be in the meantime. And then was continuing to pursue my career in the medical field. And I mean, I was miserable (laughs) and I had been miserable for a while But it was hard to admit to myself because I had for so long thought I was going to be a doctor. And for anyone else who comes from immigrant parents or I feel feel like black and brown parents, first generation for college or, or in the United States, like you go for the big stable jobs, right? Like lawyer, doctor, those were kind of the two that's like, go be one of those, you know, my it was ingrained in me. You're going to go to school. You're going to have a better life. You're not going to have to work as hard. You're not going to have to do these labor jobs and go and pursue one of those, right? Because those are the big stable jobs. And so I wanted to help people. I was good at science, doctor it was. And so I'd spent at this point, like half of my life convinced that I was going to be a doctor. And like, that was it. That was the goal. Be a doctor. That's what it means to be successful. But I was really, really unhappy doing that. And it took a while for me to start being honest with myself about that because letting go of that was like, well, then what do I do? And I'm fortunate that I was having this moment at the time that I was introduced to this whole other world that I had no idea existed, which was the tech world. Luck and timing, I join EasyCater and I'm exposed to, I mean, truly jobs I had no idea were jobs. I didn't, there was everything about the tech world. So this was back in 2016. So I moved to Boston in the spring of 2016. And I just, yeah, so this was opening my eyes to a whole world and all these other possibilities that I didn't even know about. I actually had, it was our CEO, Stefania. So I still work for Easy Cater. Um, and it was my CEO, Stefania, who sat me down after we had, I had organized for our company to do the Walk for Hunger. So Project Bread puts on the Walk for Hunger in Boston. And we had done it, a group of us from the company had gone and done the walk together. And at one point in the walk, I had been chatting, our CEO, Stefania and her husband attended the walk for a little bit. And I was chatting and sharing with her husband that I wanted to be a doctor. So the next day at work, this is on a Sunday, the next day at work, Stefania pulls me aside. She goes, what's this I hear about you want to be a doctor? What? And I was like, oh, you know, and so we get to chatting and she's like, listen, I'll support you in whatever you want to do. But is that really what you want to do? Because I just see other things in you essentially. And it was, and I think she, and she said something that sounds so obvious, but honestly, for me was maybe the most profound, I think, I think I'd ever heard at the time was I told her, I really want to help people. And she said, well, you know, there's more than one way that you can help people. And I was like, 
honestly, <laughs> before you just said that, I didn't like, it really never clicked in my brain that there could be something else I could do and still help people in the way that I wanted. So all of these happening, all these things happening at the same time, the fact that Easy Cater was so small, the fact that I had the opportunity to go on things like the walk for hunger with our CEO and her husband, the fact that I had just moved to Boston and was exposed to these new jobs, all of this happened. And I was like, okay, it feels, I can finally be honest with myself and let go of the fact that this isn't really what I want to do with my life. And it had felt wrong for so long. We all know when something doesn't feel right for us, we can feel it internally, right? And I had been fighting that for a long time. And fortunately that I I did, I admitted, I don't want to do this and was met with so many opportunities at Easy Cater because this coincided with the time that we were experiencing um, exponential growth as a company. So now this is, so this was 2016 into the beginning of 2017. And our company was like doubling in size every year. We're growing, we're growing. And with that came opportunity. And I was just so fortunate to be in a position where things needed to be done. We didn't have the people in place yet to do them because this was happening so fast. And I was like, hey, I want to learn about that. Hey, I want to do that. And kind of got the fast track, like exposure to all things. Here's what it here's what a tech company is. Here's how it operates. Here's the people and talent function. And that that's when I started getting exposed to the world of DEI. And then over time that developed into, okay, now we're big enough. We need this as a full-time job. And, and, and it just, the pieces just started to fall together. Yeah. Very fortunate with the way that timing worked out. Yeah. I have a question. Can I ask Felicia a question? I love that story. And thank you so much for sharing it. I think it's really, there's some stuff to dig into there, but what's sort of top of mind at the moment is thinking about how, you know, you had some folks believe in you and had this opportunity to, to grow in a company, which seems like rare these days, right? People are always leaving to get opportunity. So I just would love to hear some of your thoughts around that. And really, and I don't know if you're the best person to speak to it since you were sort of on the receiving end of it, but being in a position where you have folks that are, that very easily could have been like, Amaya is so good at her current job. We do not that fear of losing someone at that current job. And then to be able to say that they're going to grow. I just would love for, for you to just talk about that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you are so right in that, that I was again, very fortunate that I was surrounded by people who were supportive of my growth and who saw that I was hungry for more and I wanted to keep doing more. And we're like, okay, like we need you to take it on, take it on and saw that I think it, and, and, and I mean this in the best way possible. I think they saw it as like, it's symbiotic. It was good for me. It was good for them. Right. And that the more I was growing and taking on, I was staying at the company because I was able to grow and take more on. And I was still doing this work for the same company, even though my role w- would evolve and change. And I think I was just very fortunate to see people who recognize that, that because so often we do see that, right? Where people get, you know, you're so good in this position. You make my life easier as a manager. You make my life easier having you in this position. I don't want you to go anywhere. And then they miss that. That will absolutely that they will like, they're still going to leave, right? Because people can only be kept in this, in this place of like st- of being stagnant for so long. And so I, I think one of the responsibilities of a manager, a, go- a good manager is recognizing this in your people and getting out of their way, doing what you can do to support them 
vocalizing like, Hey, like I recognize this in you, you recognize this in you. How can I support you in doing what you want to do? Even though, yes, that means they won't be in that position anymore, but there are so many wonderful people out there who are waiting for that opportunity and it won't open up when we keep people in them. Right. So like, so instead of having this thought process of like, of it being so finite and limited and there's only one, it's like, no, no, no. Like the more we grow, the more we open those doors and send the, you know, we talk about sending the elevator back down all those things. The more we do that, the more opportunities it creates for other people, um, to have their chance to shine. And so I was very fortunate to be surrounded by people who, who did the, the former, which was just support me and give me space to grow and let me take more and more on. Love that. Do you manage people yourself now, Amaya? Or I do. I do. Yeah. So I started, I've been managing people for about four years now. My team has changed a lot over the last few years because of COVID. So, and my position was, has, has also changed. The company has changed, but I've been managing people since I think 2018 is the right answer. Yeah. And I really love it. I love being a people manager. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to manage people was to be the person I always wanted to have. And I, for so, and for so many different reasons, and I've had, I've had phenomenal managers and I've had not so phenomenal managers in my life, in my, you know, whole, any job, not just definitely not just in tech, but in any job I've ever worked. Um, and knowing the difference of what, I mean, even just the conversation we, you know, we just had the difference a manager can make in your, in how you feel about yourself and your experience and your energy. And just, there's so much that goes into that. And one of the reasons, I mean, I said earlier, one of the reasons I wanted to be a doctor was to help people. One of the reasons I do my job is because I just want to, however I can give support, anything in the way that I think everyone should have. I'm just like, yeah, like if, there, if someone's got to do it, let me, let it be me. I want to do it. <laughs> I want to make sure. Love that. I have a lot of questions. I know Rachel does too. <laughs> so many questions. I want to get into the DEI part of your role, but maybe we can put a pin in that for the moment because I we're doing a little bit of back channel chatter and there's a lot of questions that are popping up around the management piece of it. Um, Rachel, do you want to hop in with some questions on that front? Yeah. So you're already starting to answer it, but I would just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what does make a good manager? And also just as a follow-up, what are some of the challenges that come into play, particularly from an equity lens? Yeah. Oh, wow. This is, that's a really wonderful question. And I think the answer changes depending on at what point, what manager you are. Like, so are you a new manager? Have you, are you middle, like you've been a manager for a few years or now you're a more senior manager. I think the challenges can be different. I think one of the biggest challenges that I see for new managers for sure, but can also continue at all levels is how you feel successful in your role. Because when you're an IC and you are in your contributor, sorry, individual contributor, when you are given something, here's your project, here's your task, here's whatever it is. It's like, it's very clear when you have done something, right? Like do this, you completed it, you did it well. Okay, great. You're doing good at your job. Managing people is not as like black and white. And we love, I mean, we know this, right? Like as humans, we love when things are binary. We love when it's this or it's that. We can like categorize it. Our brains are happy. And people management is not, it's not like that, right? So the way that you're, that you are deemed successful in your role, the way that success is defined for you significantly changes when you become a manager, right? And so I think one thing that I would do when I first became a manager, because you do, there is like, we're all human and we have egos, right? It's natural to be like, okay, but I still want to be seen as competent and good in my role. And you see this work that you used to do 
And now you're having to hand that off. Right. And like, how do you know, like, do you don't want to take credit for people's work, but you also want people to know like what you're doing. And like, it's just this weird space to exist in at first. And that's totally normal. And I think, so for me, when I was new, something I would repeat to myself over and over again is my team's success is my success. My team's success is my success. And that this is, it is not about how much work I can do. It's how I can em- empower and support my people in growing and doing this work, right? Like if, if you have brilliant people on your team, get out of their way, let them be brilliant. Let them do the things they are capable of doing. It, it doesn't make you look unnecessary. It makes you look like a great leader, right? Like that's what, to me, that's what a great leader does is, is recognize people's strengths, give them work that allows them to flex the muscles that they have, bring the best out in them, and then bring the best out in the team and just repeat that to yourself. My team success is my success. I think that's a big challenge for managers at first. And it can continue to be if no one, if you don't ever have that like reckoning, I guess. So good. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let Felicia go, but that was just oh, brilliant. Thank you. I know. You. I'm like, yeah. definitely. I'm like, okay, I got to internalize some of these messages too. <laughs> <laughs> Felicia, I've been talking a lot about that. as like trust, you know, like making sure that you trust the team because I think especially as female leaders, we have a tendency to be super perfectionistic. Is that a word? I don't know if that's a word. It is now. It is now. Just made it up. (laughs) Made it up. And so, yeah, I think letting go is particularly hard because you want everything to be perfect. But just everything you said was, chef's kiss. Okay, now I really will meet myself, I promise. (laughs) Well, on that note, though, I think it actually is a good bridge to another question. And we will get off the management train eventually, I promise. But it's so good. So we'll keep on it for a little bit longer. What, in your opinion or your experience, has been a great way for you to build trust and make connections with people on your team, particularly in the last couple of years when we've had the challenges of being remote and hybrid where perhaps we weren't before as a team? Yeah. Strong communication, open communication, transparent communication. When I, Whenever I first have someone join my team, I talk to them about my management style. I ask them what type of management style they like, how they what environment do they work best in? How can I best support them to be successful? And then make sure that we're on the same page about what does that mean? When I say strong communication, I, people, people hear me say, I'm like a broken record. I think we all think we're better at communicating than we actually are. And for me, communication is the end all be all. So if we can have good communication, then I think we can get, then that, I think we have already solved more problems than we then we'll never know because we've prevented them, right? Like we solved them before they started. So I, what's important to me when I'm having conversations with my team is, are you hearing this the way I'm saying it? So tell, like, like, let's make sure, because, and then when my team tells me something, I repeat back to them, here is what I think you said. This is what I heard. Is that right? Does that sound right to you? Does it sound right to both of us, right? Like, are we actually on the same page or do we just think we're on the same page, right? Like the importance of being really present and listening. And then also I, I really, I mentioned this a little earlier, but I really do try to check my ego in everything that I do. And so when I, and I know we, it can be hard to be transparent with things and when in a scary time, like what has happened last couple of years, where like we experienced layoffs, things were uncertain for a really long time, not just at work, but everywhere in every aspect of our life. And we can start to like, when things feel so out of control, we naturally want to control. Right. And so, so I I can't control everything, but I can control this. So I'm going to hone on on what I can control. And we need to feel 
and, and like I say power, not in like a super negative sense, because again, I, I want to like go back to like, this is such a human like thing and need, but knowledge is power. Information is power. And when you're afraid, when you don't know, like, are layoffs coming again? Am I next? Like, I want to make sure that I'm seen as vital to the company. You, you start wanting to hold on to things, right? You want to be the person that people have to go to, to ask questions. You want to be the person who's seen as the, oh, I, am I, I made that decision, right? And so it can then start to feel like you want to hoard information. And I tried to be really aware of where I was at, why I was there and check myself and check why I was doing things consistently and then be as transparent with my team as I could be and say, Hey, I'm going to tell you everything I can tell you. And I'll tell you, if you ask me something and I can't tell you, I'll tell you, I can't tell you it. And I'll do my best to tell you why. But for me, what's in my brain, I want in your brain right? Like that is how we can be the most in my most efficient, most successful. Everyone's on the same page. We don't have any miscommunication is like what I've got. You've got, tell me what questions let's get clear. And then that way we can just hopefully continue to move forward together and whatever that looks like. And whenever that changes, I'll do this. I'll do, we'll, we'll do that dance again. Right. That was kind of what I leaned on just being as transparent as possible, communicating as much as possible. I have a follow-up question if you don't mind me jumping in, Rachel. <laughs> There's so much to dig into here, and I'm like taking notes for my own purposes too. But one thing that I know I've struggled with in the past as a newish middle, I don't, I don't want to call it middle-aged manager, but um, <laughs> you know what I mean, is managing people whose styles and work style and communication style, and you know, even if they're introverted versus being more extroverted, is really different than me. And it sometimes can be hard to adjust to that when it's not your mode of work or what you're familiar with. And is that something that you've had experience with or any issues with, or even like mistakes made and beyond that too, beyond communication or work style differences, you know, as we're seeing more and more generations come into the workforce, I'm curious if you've had experience working and managing people who are of different generations than you and how that's played out. I want to start by saying, especially working in DEI, we talk like when we say, well, what does diversity actually mean? And it, it's it's just, it's difference, right? It's difference and it's difference in all different ways. And so I think starting from there and going, what it looks like for somebody to be successful is not exactly the same for every single person, right? What it means for somebody to be excited or dedicated or a hard worker does not present exactly the same way. There's no mold for that, right? And so with that, if we believe that, which I do deeply <laughs> doing this work, then I can recognize that and go, okay, checking my assumptions and bias about what that looks like and starting from like a, like I said, I start with the conversation with my folks the first time I, I bring them onto my team. And I say, Hey, like, tell me, tell me about you. Tell me your working style. Tell me what you need. Tell me how you like to interact because I am in a position of power as the manager. And I do believe like with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like, thank you, Spider-Man. That will forever be, but it's true. It's when you are in a position of power, I do think the responsibility lies with you to be adaptable and adjustable, right? Like I think and that's also just the job of not just being in a position of power, but being a, a manager. So I think of it as like a teacher, right? Like when you're the person who's teaching a subject, not everybody learns the same way. It's your job to be able to adapt the way you're teaching something to people's learning styles. I feel exactly the same way about management. It is my job to be able to work with you until I understand 
how do you need to hear this? Like, or how do I need to show you this for it to click for you? What do you need from me? And how can I adjust myself to make sure I am giving that to you? Because it's my job to set you up for success. So I think it's just super important to really get to know your people and to know yourself, right? (laughs) I think actually I should have started there. I think so much of doing this work well in any capacity is knowing who you are and being very self-aware. Because if you don't know, if you don't know why you're doing the things you're doing, if you don't know where your motivation comes from, if you don't know where your biases are, if you don't know that, it's gonna be really hard to be aware of like when they are affecting your behaviors and your actions, right? So I think being really aware of who you are and then really knowing your people deeply, knowing them deeply and coming with an open mind of like the way you are, you are a whole wonderful person and you are brilliant and talented and gifted and all of these things, which is why you're on my team. I'm so excited to have you here. Let me not mess that up by then trying to fit you into a mold of like, well, this is how I do things. So that's how you should do it. Absolutely not. Show me how you do it because you might teach me something. Amaya, that is how I used to manage people. Yay! I'm no, 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 no. The bad part. I was like, (laughs) yeah. When I was a first of manager, I love telling the story because it's so true. I was a manager, and it was like, well, I was promoted because I was really good at this thing, and now I'm managing the people, and so I'm clearly so good at this thing. Y'all should do it the same way as I'm doing it. Bad choice. So I would love to know. At your advanced age, <laughs> how did you get so wise? How did you, how did you learn all of this? Did you make a lot of mistakes? Did you have a mentor? Like, I'm just curious. Did you listen to a lot of podcasts? Um, like, what? How did you get this? Or do you feel like this was just sort of a natural, like, who you, you just came out of the womb like this? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a combination of who I am as a person, and just I feel like I've always, always been very introspective, I guess. Maybe that's the the right way to say it. Um, I think about this all a lot, but I also, I think some of it came from not having it. So being very aware of when I, when I went through something or when I had a manager who didn't support me or who treated me a certain way or things just felt wrong, or I didn't understand just like really processing that and thinking about like, okay, what was happening here? And then how do I not do that? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right. Like the plus side of having a bad manager, totally where it's like, sometimes, you know, you're exposed to things and and I do, I'm grateful for them. Cause it's like, wow, I experienced firsthand the impact this can have on somebody. I also, I mean, I am so grateful for the manager I have right now. I report directly into our chief people and culture officer, Janine. She is like the most wonderful human. And I tell her, I try to tell her regularly because of who she is as a manager, I feel empowered to be who I am as a manager, because I I know there are people who are going to hear this, who are feeling like I would love to be that way. And I am not in a place where I can be that way because I'm not in a system that supports that. I don't have a manager that supports that. And that's very real. That's very, very real. That's something that like deeply saddens me when I think about how many people out there are affected by that, right? So not just the manager who doesn't get to be the manager they want to be, but then of course, all of their reports who are then impacted by that. And so I've had incredible people to work from and learn from, and then not so incredible people who I also learn from. And then I, I, I mean, a huge fan of Brene Brown, right? Like love everything, every word that comes out of her mouth. I'm like, like a genius, Adam Grant, I follow and Simon Sinek. Like there are just a handful of people. I know I'm forgetting many people, but those are the ones that come top of mind that 
I just, they just say things in a way that clicks for me. And it's, I want to say it seems so, it seems obvious when they say it. It's absolutely not obvious a lot of the times when you are in it. I try to really internalize it and think about what that means, draw from experience, be self-aware, all of those things at the same time. I think it's a combination of all of that. And just, I deeply care for people. I really, really love people. I think, and that's, that is definitely just who I've always been as a person. I really, I really love humans as messy as we are. I deeply care about the human experience. And I know so many times people are fighting battles. We have not, we have no clue that they are. And if there is a way that I can, even in just one area of their life, help them or make it easier for them or support them or make them feel seen or valued, then like, I know I want to do that. And this is, this is my area that I can affect. So I try to like stay there. Like even when I'm having like the worst day, just like, remember that. Love, tears, emojis. (laughs) I'm going to just mute myself again, but I just wanted to acknowledge that. All the hearts, all the hearts. I just like, I wish we were in person because then I just feel like we'd have like 50 weeks. We'd be like, okay, just hug it out. I know. Can we just like hug? Because the people, yeah. Felicia, feel free to go ahead. I know that we've just been like, we have a million more questions. Yeah. Well, I I do have, I mean, so many more questions, but everything you're saying is really resonating because I feel like I can just think back as you're talking. I'm thinking back to my amazing managers, my terrible managers, the managers that were amazing and I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't know how hard the job was. And I find that I think a lot of the challenge, I think, around management that you've been touching on and that we've been digging into comes from the fact that it's sort of like overlooked because, you know, we, especially in tech companies and in the tech industry, we really value the hard skills, quote unquote, you know, like, can you code? Can you do this? Can you do that? And the soft skills are always, not always, but oftentimes overlooked or not supported. That leads me to your current role, which is you're heading up DEI Easy Cater. And that is a really interesting bridge to what we've just been talking about, because that's also a role that is a newer role in general for not just the tech industry, but in general. And there's not a lot of you know, like educational programs or universities that are even teaching people how to do this. A lot of times it comes from lived experience. And so I'd love to have you maybe touch a little bit on how that came to be and how did that come about for you? What that looks like? What do you actually do in your job? Because I feel like it's, um, you know, it's so hot right now. So I know a lot of people are probably really interested to know how you went from, you know, your previous role and function at Easy Cater into that position. Yeah. So I, the work of DEI, which I didn't know was the work of DEI, I had been doing in my personal life for many years, right? So just in one of my degrees being exposed to like so so many different like psychological studies, anthropological studies, sociological studies of just like the way our systems in this country are structured and how how that is affecting certain groups, right? To this day, how they were set up and how they continue to affect certain groups to this day. And as I learned about this, um, so this is also on a total side, kind of side note, but it does, it it did matter a lot. I had been in, or it affected this a lot for me. Um, I had been in a, um, a physically abusive relationship. I was in a domestic violence situation and I got out of that. And I went to, I started going to therapy and, what was so, I think what, 
what I learned so much from that, well, there's not one thing I learned so many things from that was that I, when I was going to therapy and learning about this profile of a person, I also started to learn about all of the systems that allow things like, like abuse like this to continue and who, why there are certain groups that are more susceptible to this abuse. And that happened at the same time that I was getting really into learning about all the different systems and structures. And I became very passionate about it because I was absolutely that person who before that had happened was like, just kind of the, you know, the thing you always hear people say like, oh, I would never be in that situation. I would never stay or I would never let blah, 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 right? Like all the things, all the things that, that we say, because we don't understand. And I was that person who said it. And that was a really, that was like a huge moment in my life of being like, wow, there is so much about so many experiences that we don't know, that we don't know. It's like, you don't know until you know. And that translated into different identities and different like communities and situations. And like, there was so, it was like, it was like this like big moment of connecting so many dots. And yes, absolutely. Like never really understanding what it could feel like or what contributes to this thing being able to happen to you, right? That was at the same time that I was trying to go through the higher education system and being a first generation American, but also like I'm the first person in my family to go to college and having no, no, you know, no guidance, like the, the best of intentions from, from my, my parents and family, but no one knew. Right. And also seeing how so many systems were set up for people, not like me. And just like, there were so many inequities and this is all happening at the same time. So in my personal life, when I'm getting, when it's just becoming so apparent what it is. And then looking back on, I had, as I was growing up and the sexism and racism and things that I had faced and not realize what they were, right? Like I didn't too young and like, didn't really understand, like it was all kind of coming together. And I was like, okay, so I had started doing this work and educating people about it and posting and trying to spread awareness and like in my personal life, but having no clue, this is like a job that you can have (laughs) No idea. Right. So that started, I was doing all of that. I'm sure I missed something there, but that's the gist of it. And then I, you know, like I said, fast forward, I moved to Boston. I started this tech company and I transitioned once I once. So once I decided I didn't want to be a doctor anymore, then I was hit with that moment of like, well, what do I do? (laughs) And so I had, fortunately this coincided with the company growing a lot. And there was a role on our then talent team. So talent team, it was like three people and it was the, it was a talent coordinator role. And fortunate for me, I was the first person to be in that role at Easy Cater. And it turned into a talent everything role. And this was also where my, my manager at the time, his name is Greg. He was one of those people who was like, he just got out of my way in the best way possible. He was like, I need, I need support in this. You want to take it on? Great. I trust you to take it on, take it on. And he just let me take on more and more and more. And so I was like learning at warp speed. And so it went from like, oh, I'm a talent coordinator to like doing kind of everything under the sun in the talent world. And one of those things was, hey, we have to look, we have to focus on DEI. And I was like, what's DEI, right? Like, cool. And then learning, and I was like, oh, this is really amazing. This is like something we focus on and do here at like a company, like this matters to us. And we want to, and there are, oh wait, and there are people we partner with who are also focused on this. And that was at the time that I first um, met with you all and like started partnering with you. And 
So I was like, oh, this is definitely something I want in my world always. Right. Like, but at the, but it also wasn't a full-time job yet. Right. So it was part of the job and it was something that I kind of kept with me through all of the different roles I had, I had at Easy Cater. Another thing that I was very fortunate with Easy Cater was at the time I joined, we were super support and we still are. They were very supportive of people. Like if you have an idea, if you have initiative, like like we want to support you in it. Giving back to the community, volunteering, being involved in communities was something that was, that was super important to me. And we didn't have like an established program. And so I kind of, I created this proposal and I went to our CFO at the time and said, Hey, here's my proposal for a volunteer program. I think we should have it. I think we should have a budget. I think we should like, and they were, I, they let me do it. <laughs> so, so that was something I did that was outside of any role that I had. So I worked with him and our CEO, Stefania, we kind of created like our, here's what we focus on. Here's our budget for it. And they gave me the space to run with that as well. So I had that, started working in talent, had DEI or what I was now being exposed to as DEI as like a part of the world. And these were two things that were always like, I need to stick with this. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to grow and evolve. I don't know how things are going to change here. Again, I was just like for the first time in my life, like I don't want to be a doctor anymore. So what am I going to be? But I knew I wanted to stick with those things. So as I continued through Easy Cater, I did. I hung on. I hung on to those things. So I went. I worked actually directly for our CEO for a while um, as her executive assistant for about a year, and then I went back to our talent team that had grown, and I transitioned back right as our my now current boss, our chief people and culture officer, Janine started. So when she started and I came back to the team as a manager now, she was the one who really started to build out the other functions of a people team, right? Because prior to her joining, we had been very focused on talent. We had still done other people things, right? Because we had to as a company, but she was the person who really came in and was like, okay, we're going to flesh out these other areas. And DEI was one of them. And then we went from there and I, I can keep going. I don't know how much, more, <laughs> I don't wanna, um, but that was, that's, I would say those are the biggest pieces of, to, to what led to this, the role that I'm currently in existing. Well, and when did you take on that role? How long have you been in it? That was 2018. So almost, so almost four years since then. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Four years. Yeah. Well, and you know, we've been working together, which has been, of course, a delight, not a surprise. Would love to hear though, sort of like, what does DEI programming look like for Easy Cater? How have you evolved it? What does impact look like? And all that. I feel like we should throw in a spoiler alert that SGO is involved in some of this. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have to put like a little asterisk, like uh, there's affiliation. So yes, yeah. if you're well, comfortable sharing that, like we are, of course, we, you know, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you here. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean that I, I actually am super happy to speak to speak to that process because that was a super in-depth process of, of, of choosing in that. And there was a reason behind that, which I will get to. So, okay. So I started in this role. Everything's great. We're focusing on it and wonderful things. And then COVID happens. And the, I mean, like things just flipped kind of upside down and we're so uncertain for a while of like, we're kind of all just like this, like holding formation. Right. And then it was the summer of 2020 and George Floyd is murdered. And Breonna Taylor had been murdered a few months prior. Ahmaud Aubrey had been murdered. And our company was no exception to the racial reckoning that occurred co- countrywide um, and then also industry-wide, right? So I know other industries were, were affected by this as well. But I think there was a huge, I mean, tech is like historically and infamously like super underrepresented, right? When it comes to 
racially underrepresented groups. So historically racially underrepresented groups in tech are people who identify as um, black, Hispanic, and Asian. And it's like, it's a problem, right? Like, and we've known it's a problem in tech. And I think with the summer of 2020, people were like, just fed up. They were fed up of it. I, th- I think it was the, we reached fever pitch and we were not exempt from that. And our employees were like, we need to be doing more. We were like, you're right. We need to be doing more. And so that really kicked off a very important journey for us, which I think has led to where we are now for sure. And also opened a lot of doors that previously were not at the company for DEI work. So we started by saying, what does DEI mean to us? And because as much of a hot topic as it was, it finally, it was finally getting the attention it deserved, but it didn't mean that everybody was going about it in the same way or that it meant the same thing to everyone. And I think that there were definitely, I think, and I think it spanned the entire spectrum of companies who really took like, were like, okay, we need to do better and actually tried to do better to like performative and people who were like, what do we need to say? What do we need to donate? And then can we just go on and like, pretend this didn't happen. So it was super important, I think, for us to start by saying, what does it mean to us? When we say we're committed to this, when we say we prioritize this work, what does that actually mean? So defining it for us. And so we started there and defining it as we want to create a company that reflects the communities we are a part of. First, we are nationwide. We have, now that we're a remote hybrid, we have hybrid, we have employees all over the, the country. United States is the great melting pot. We're an incredibly diverse country. So if we want to reflect these communities, we also need to be incredibly diverse. Starting there and saying, okay, great, that's that's one piece of it. Um, but these three pillars, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you have to have them all. They all have to be prioritized and happening together to be successful. Otherwise, you'll be filling a leaky bucket, meaning you'll be bringing people on who don't who don't feel included, who don't feel like they have access to opportunities or to be able to succeed, and they're going to leave. So it's holistic work and that it all has to happen together. It has to be prioritized together. So we said, hey, okay, that's, if we want to reflect these communities, we need to get like working on that because we don't currently. We also want to create that environment where people can be exactly who they are and they, they're not afraid to be that person. They're not worried that they won't be taken seriously, respected, looked at as professional, given a chance to be promoted, paid as much as they should be if they don't put on their I'm at work now hat. Um, I don't want you to have, we don't want you to have multiple hats. I want you to be the person you are when you come to work. Um, We want that from our people. And so that's the environment working to create. And then looking at equity in all of our systems. Most of us, (laughs) I don't want to say a blanket statement. Most of us, want to get paid, right? (laughs) We are going to work because we want to be paid for it. And as much as we love our jobs, if we stopped getting paid, we're probably not going to keep going. (laughs) So I think that what's super important is to say, okay, it's one thing to have a diverse population. It's another thing to make sure that everybody feels included and accepted and that they can be exactly who they are. But if we do not have equitable systems, if they are not paid equitably, if they are not, if their performance is not evaluated equitably, if they were not, if they're not given chances to promote and to grow and to develop, and they're not given access to stretch projects, they're not going to stay. So all of, we have to address all of these things at the same time. We have to look at all of them. How do these all fit together? And what are we doing in each of these to be the most diverse, the most inclusive and the most equitable company we can? So we started by saying, okay, that's what DEI means to us. Now, what do we do about it? 
So, <laughs> so our, our employees had, were they, I mean, they, and they told us like, listen, here's where we, here's what we need to be doing. Here's what we're not doing that we want to see here. I spent a lot of time with our, with Janine, our chief people and culture officer and Jen, our VP of, of culture and DEI. And we, you know, we looked at best practice and we also knew there had been things that we knew we wanted to do for a while that we just had not been able to move forward, that we were finally in a position to start moving forward with. So we got a dedicated budget. And one of the things that we had heard loud and clear and that we had been wanting to move forward with is that we need to have opportunities for continued individual learning. So DEI is not something that I do in a silo. It's not something that my team does. It's something everybody does and everybody has to be a part of. I cannot change the way you think. I can't force you to learn. I can't do any of it. The only person who can do that is you. Each of us individually have to choose to to be open. We have to choose to question, to challenge, to think critically, to, to be okay being wrong all of us, right? Like that's, and so the best thing I can do is set up an environment where you feel safe doing that um, and then give you the opportunities to do it. So that's what we focused on. We focused on, okay, how can we make it clear to people that we, um, that we support you in this journey? It's a learning journey, right? And everybody's starting in a different place. We support you wherever you are, and we are going to give you opportunities to learn, to grow, to see. And that was where the training through um, you all came into play. And it was very important though, because I knew, I knew what a massive move for us this was. And so I did not take that lightly. I vetted like, I think around 10 companies in depth. Yeah. It was like, I, because it was, I listen, I'm so, I am the biggest fan of you all. I will shout your name from every rooftop that I can. And it was very important to me that it wasn't like, oh, well, Maya just like loves them. And she, she's been partnering with them for so long. Like that's why she chose them. Like, no, it was, no, it was really important to me um, that it was like, no, no, this is, they are the best. They're the best option for us. Like clearly, clearly, clearly. And everyone felt that way. Um, everyone who I had, and had kind of pulled into that process and we were able to build out this program of continued learning for folks that that's still happening. We're still doing it at Easy Cater that I'm hoping to, as we're finally getting through most of the big first wave of having everybody go through it, um, build onto that. And that's, so yeah, so that's one of the ways that we are, that we're moving this work forward. Um, there've also been like a handful of other things we've done from like the equity standpoint, we do a, a pay and promotion equity analysis. We, yeah, what else do we do? Well, we make sure that we're, we're partnering with as many, different communities as we can, um, that we're aware that we're incorporating as many voices as we can, that we're holding ourselves accountable to this work, that we're keeping ourselves honest and, and, um, creating as many opportunities for feedback. Yeah. There's a handful of other stuff I could get into, but that's all stuff there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to see you both. So nice to meet you. Wasn't that amazing? Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did recording. Thank you so much for listening and please don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe. It makes a huge difference in the reach of this podcast and by extension, the work that we do. If you're looking to further your own knowledge and gain support alongside other incredible people, join our free community at risetogether.shegeeksout.com. You'll get a welcoming built-in support system grounded in the values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You'll also have access to bonus episodes, additional resources, courses, webinars, coaching, and more. Amazing. So why wouldn't you join? Do it. You'd be Alrighty. wild not to join. 
This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, bye, Rachel. I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.